Well, good morning. My name is Daniel. It's uh, great to see all of you here this morning. And if you're a first-time guest or you've been coming for a few weeks and uh, Timothy or I haven't met you, Blake had not met you, we would love to get to know you. Uh, so please uh, let us get to know you, introduce yourself to us. But we would love uh, just to, to get to know you as uh, we welcome you into our church. Uh, we are this morning starting a new series uh, in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapters 12 through 36. Uh, we would do this for the next three months of the summer. And we've titled this series, Rooted, the Foundations of Our Faith. Uh, now, it's been said that you can learn a lot about a person by getting to know their family. And I think that's true. Where we come from, who we are uh, related to, reveals a lot about who we are. And when I was in college, uh, I began to have a little bit of a fascination with our family tree, the, the Mason ancestry. And I started doing research uh, in our lineage, our family, and I was motivated to, to do this at the time because I believed knowing my family roots would help me understand a little bit more of who I am. Now, Alex Haley, who is the co-author of the book, uh, of the autobiography of Malcolm X, uh, which is a great book, highly recommended if you haven't read it, also authored another book called Roots, which I have not read, but I have seen the movie, a long movie, uh, if you've seen it. Uh, or read the book. Alex Haley traces his lineage back 10 generations to Kunta Kinte, and Haley spent years doing research, being motivated by a deep desire to understand where and from whom he came. And he wrote this passage in the, uh, in the book, Roots. In all of us, there is a hunger, marrow deep, to know our heritage, to know who we are and where we came from. Without this enriching knowledge, there is a hollow yearning. No matter what our attainments in life, there is still a vacuum, an emptiness, and the most disquieting loneliness. What Haley is saying is that we all have a longing to know where we come from and who we are, that it's important to know our roots because our heritage shapes and forms us. And without this understanding, there will always be a hollow yearning and emptiness. So this summer, I want us to look at our Christian heritage, our family roots, by studying the lives of our fathers, the patriarchs of our faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I believe that understanding our roots will help us understand who we are to be as Christians. It will shape us in our understanding of our own identity. So we're going to start this morning in Genesis chapter 12. We're going to read verses 1 to 9. I'm going to ask you to stand as we read God's word. If you will stand with me. This is God's word to us. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent. 
with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Uh, Let's pray. God, I ask that you would this morning bless the reading of your word, that you would come by your spirit and and illumine our thoughts. Not just our thoughts, but you would would bleed these thoughts and these truths deep into our hearts, that you would plant them deep within us, so much so that it would change the way we live, that our actions would be different. The way we interact with one another and our neighbors in the city would be different because you have met with us this morning through your words. So remove me this morning. Will the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you? Christ, would you be exalted? In spirit, would you work? In your name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, Genesis chapter 12 is God's call to Abram, who will later become Abraham. And throughout Scripture, God calls people to himself. He calls people to certain tasks. But this call, it's crucial. It is crucial for us to understand. Because this is the call which is the basis and the foundation for everything else we see in the Bible. It's been said that Genesis chapter 12 is the center, it's the center point of God's covenant promises to his people. And that everything else in the Bible from Genesis 13 onward is God fulfilling what happens here in Genesis chapter 12. The call of God. Now, that may sound strange to some of you, the call of God. And you're wondering, God's never called me. (laughs) God's never hit me up on my phone. God's never spoken audibly to me. I've I've never heard the voice of God. Uh, If you're here and you're not a Christian, you've heard Christians talk about the call of God. And maybe you're like, that's just, that's kind of crazy. The call of God. And I will say that there are times when it seems in our life that other voices are more tangible, that other calls are a little bit more at our fingertips, like the voice of a boss at work who demands you to work harder, the voice of a credit card company or a landlord demanding you owe your payment, the voice of a friend, the voice of a spouse, the voice of a parent. These all are a little bit more tangible for us. John D. Rockefeller, oil tycoon, was asked how much money is enough, and He said the voice in his head always would say just a little bit more. The call to work hard at your job, the call demanding you pay your debt, the call for just a little bit more, a little bit more money, a little bit more safety, a little bit more respect. These voices and the calls of this world are more in our face, seem a little bit more pressing than the call of God, than God's voice. What in the world is the call of God? What does it look like? What does it even mean? I love the classic book, Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, John Bunyan. In this book, Pilgrim is uh, is living at home in the earthly city, but is called by God to journey towards the celestial city, towards the heavenly city, towards the city of God. And as Pilgrim begins his journey, Bunyan writes that Pilgrim fills the pool. He hears the voices And the call to stay living in the earthly city. To continue with a life filled with comfort and safety and things. And as Pilgrim listens to the call of God and is leaving to journey towards 
the city of God, he hears his own family yelling at him to stay. And Bunyan writes that Pilgrim puts his fingers in his ears as these voices call him to stay. And he cries out, Pilgrim does, life, life, eternal life, as he keeps his gaze and his focus towards the city of God that is to come. And I think that is a wonderful picture because it reveals that there will always be voices and the calls that happen in this world for us to focus on ourselves, to stay focused upon the world and the things of this world. But when God calls, we know He calls, we know it's true, and we know it's worth leaving. Leaving things that we deeply value, things that may be more tangible to us now, and we're willing to listen and follow God and walk a path that is unknown, but it's filled with incredible promise. But in order to listen to the call of God, we will have to plug our ears with our fingers and know that life, life, eternal life, is promised to us in the city of God that is to come. And so my prayer for all of us this morning, and for me, is that we might leave this place this morning with our fingers in our ears, knowing that we are journeying towards a city of God that is worth it, and we know life awaits us. So I want us to take a deeper look into this call of God that is the foundation for all of Christianity that we see in Genesis chapter 12. And the first thing that we see is that God calls us. God calls us. Now, that may sound a little bit repetitive, but I have to start here because the text actually starts there. Look at verse 1. It says, The Lord said, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. The Lord called Abram, who was the son of Terah. They were living in the land of Ur. Now, Ur, for your understanding, was the center of pagan moon worship. It's the center of of pagan idolatry. Joshua 24, uh, verse 2, chapter 24, verse 2 says that Abram's family served pagan gods. All to say that Abram and his family were idol worshipers, completely separated from, from this triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They were a spiritually dead people. Not only that, but the text lets us know that Abram and his wife Sarai were physically barren. Genesis 11 verse 30 tells us they were unable to have children. Not only were they a spiritually dead people, but they were physically barren. No physical life able to come from them. Abel, or Abraham, Abraham who, who's Abram, later becomes Abraham, and his family were in utter darkness. That's what Genesis is telling us. Spiritual, physical death, utter hopelessness. And then God speaks. God calls Abram. And in verses 1 through 3, there is a threefold repetition, I don't know if you picked up on it, of God saying, I will, I will, I will. The call of God is first supernatural. It must come from Him. And that call that comes from God is one that brings us from death to life, from darkness to hope, from the land of Ur to the promised land of Canaan, from barrenness to the father of many nations, which means it's supernatural, meaning you cannot call yourself. Spiritual darkness and death is not something you can wiggle out of because of your intellect. 
because of your morality, because of your good deeds, you cannot call yourself. God must call you. Death means death. It means no life, no movement, no choice. Dead people must have something supernatural happen to bring them to life. God must call. Abram, by the way, was from the family of Shem. Shem was one of the sons of Noah, was in fact the, the good, favored son of Noah. Uh, and Abram would have been proud to be from the family of Shem. But even though Abram was from a good family, God still had to call him. Which means your family cannot call you. Your own spiritual darkness and separation from God is not something that you can get out of because you're born into a certain family. Let me explain. My many years uh, of campus ministry, University of Alabama with Campus Crusade for Christ for, five, for three years, and then with RUF, the University of North Carolina, I was blown away by how many students would profess to be a Christian. And then I would start probing around about what it meant, and the reality finally came out that they weren't Christians. But they said they were Christians because they grew up going to the Episcopal Church. They grew up going to the Methodist Church. They grew up going to the Baptist Church. They grew up in a family that attended church, which surely meant for them that they were Christians. No. It does not mean you've received the call of God just because you grew up in a family that went to church. You can't be born into the family uh, and receive the call of God. You must be called personally. Uh, I know pastors, famous church fathers, who would say that they were preaching in the pulpit, pastoring for years, and then they experienced God's call on their life. They were converted after they were pastoring. <laughs> That's nuts. That's crazy. You can't call yourself. You can't be born into the call. God must call you. So I have to ask, have you heard God's voice? Has God called you from spiritual darkness and separation from Him to Himself and to life? Have you trusted Jesus and been called from the land of Ur, the land of barrenness, to the promised land, to a land full of hope, a land that is the city of God where he dwells with his people. Have you heard the call? Have you heard his voice? God calls us. Secondly, God calls us out. He calls us out. Look at verse 1 again. The Lord said to Abram, go. Get out. Get to going, Abram. Leave Ur. Leave Ur. A land full of idolatry a culture that is worshiping idols. And go, Abram, and be the only man on earth who believes in the one true God. Go, Abram, and stand against the world. Go leave your security and all that you know. Go out, Abram. The call of God is a call to leave the old way of life, to leave the old patterns of living, to leave our own idols that we have long worshipped. Abram, was being called to leave his old identity and find new identity in the call of God. Now, I try not to use my favorite Broadway play too much because 
uh, I can overuse it. But I love the play Les Mis, the story of Jean Valjean, who is imprisoned. Uh, while in prison, Valjean is known by his number, 24601. Right? That's how he's identified. That's his identity. During the play or the movie, if you've seen it, he's transformed into a new man because of a loving act of a priest who forgives him. And Valjean spends the rest of his life serving and giving to people. He's ultimately hunted, hunted down by Javert, the policeman. And at the end of the play, he sings a song while another man is being tried as 24601. He sings the song, if you know the play or seen the movie, you know it. He sings the song, Who Am I? He sings, Who Am I? I am Jean Valjean. My soul belongs to God. He gave me hope when hope was gone. He gave me strength to journey on. He says, my identity, I'm Jean Valjean. At the very end, though, he says and proclaims, I am also 24601. I think that, that's what it means to be a Christian. That we own, that we all once lived in darkness and slavery to sin. We all are 24601. Prisoners to idolatry, prisoners to sin. But then God called us and he changed us and our new identity now defines us. We're not just 24601. We are a new creation, a new person. We've been called out into a whole new way of living, into a whole new life. We are sinners by nature, yes. But we are saints supernaturally by the grace of God. Os Guinness, in his book titled The Call, here's how he's de he defined the call. Calling is the truth that God calls us to himself so decisively that everything we are and everything we do and everything we have is invested with a special devotion and dynamism lived out as a response to his summons and his service. God's call is out and into a whole new life, to a whole new way of living. To be a Christian is not whatever I want to do and add Jesus to it. I heard a pastor say, it's not Christianity if you say, I will be a Christian if. To be a Christian is to give all to God, to give everything to God. It's not enough to have God in your back pocket and then pull him out when you want him. It's not enough to have Jesus in your heart. If it doesn't mean he rules over everything you do, and it does, if it doesn't mean he affects everything you're about, God lays claim to your daytimer and to your checkbook and to your children into your house, into your career, into your marriage, your sexuality, your computer, your plans. He owns it all. You know that God has called you when you're willing to surrender everything and follow Him into a whole new way of living. God calls us out to be a blessing, thirdly. He calls us out to be a blessing. Look at verse 2. It says, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. God doesn't just call us out and to himself for our sake. He blesses us in order that we might be a blessing. We're blessed. You've heard this before, maybe. Blessed in order to be a blessing. And this passage reveals two things in particular that are the blessing of God. 
The first is seed, the promise of seed or numbers. God promises to Abram, I will make you a great nation. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So the blessing of God is the growing of the family of God. And how does the family of God grow? By people hearing and responding to the call of God. And we see here that God uses His people to issue the supernatural call of God to others. God uses His people to share the offer of death to life, of darkness into light. God uses us, His people, to share Jesus with the world. To share the good news of Christ and to call people unto the Lord. There is no greater blessing than being brought from death to life. No greater blessing than being given a whole new identity. I think today in our culture as Christians, we can often be scared to be offensive by sharing about Jesus and how the gospel saves us and how God saves broken sinners and sets the prisoner free through Christ. We can be scared because we don't want to come across as intolerant. We don't want to come across as arrogant. And we've all met Christians or we've been those Christians who are intolerant and arrogant. So we shrink back from talking to people about Jesus. We shrink back from inviting our friends to come to church and to hear about Jesus. We shrink back from declaring to our friends and our families and our co-workers that I am 24601 just like you are. But God has changed me and given me a whole new identity and that offer is to you as well. If we really believed there's no greater life than life with Christ, no greater blessing than being spiritually raised from the dead, then we would know it's not offensive. It is loving to share the good news of the gospel with the people that we're close to and our neighbors that we're just getting to know. To be a Christian means we are the messengers declaring the good news of Christ to this world. Not with arrogance, not with self-righteousness, but with a humility because we have all know we've been supernaturally rescued and blessed. I'll, I'll say this. One of the main reasons, one of the main reasons you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, is so that you can share the good news of Jesus with others. It's not the main reason, but that is one of the main reasons. That you can share it with your family and with your neighbors and friends and co-workers so you can pray for them. Invite them in. Share about Jesus. You have been blessed, Christian, in order to be a blessing. And there is no greater blessing than being called by God. The second thing we see about the blessing of God, it's not just seed and numbers, right? The growing of the family of God. It's also land. I don't know if you picked up on that in verses 4 through 9. There's this five-fold repetition of land, 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 land. Verse 1 tells Abram, go to the land. I will show you. Abram's called out from this old world to go to this new land, the land of Canaan, the land of promise. And in verse 6, they come to the land of Canaan. The Canaanites are in the land. The Canaanites, they're a pagan worshiping culture, worshiping false gods like Baal. And what does Abram do when he comes into this land? 
It says that Shechem at the Oak of Moor, the Lord appeared again with promise, and Abram built an altar to the Lord and worshipped. He moves on to Bethel, builds another altar to the Lord. and This world, as his followers, and we plant ourselves in the land. We plant ourselves in the city of Durham, in downtown, in our neighborhood, and in our jobs. And then as Christians, we are to be a blessing in those places. We enter into those places and we worship our God. And we worship God by bringing love and justice and equity and peace and beauty. And as we worship our God by the way we live in those ways, we bless our neighbors. We bless our city. We bless the world. God may call you to live in East Durham. He may call you to live on the west side of Durham. God may call you to go to Duke. He may call you to go to Central. God may call you to be in finance, and He may call you to be a janitor. God may call you to go overseas, and God may call you to stay in one place for the rest of your life. He may call you to have tons of money, and He may call you not to have much money. But here's what I know. Whether you live in East Durham or West Durham, you are to be a blessing in that place. To invite your neighbors over for a meal and to show hospitality and love. You are to, to show generosity in the way you live your life in that place that you live. If you are in finance or you're a janitor, it doesn't matter. You act fairly to your employees and you seek equity for everyone that's working. Whether you go overseas to an unreached people group or you stay in one place for the rest of your life, the question is, are you asking God to call people to himself? Are you praying for them? Are you inviting them in? Are you sharing the gospel with them? And whether you have tons of money or you have little money, are you asking God to use you however he might for the sake of peace and justice and beauty, his glory in the city of Durham and the world? I love, I love the board game Settlers of Catan. Anybody played that board game? My wife doesn't love it, but I love it. Uh, in the game of uh, Catan, uh, there's multiple teams. Kind of, uh, what's the old, like, battleship? Kind of like a ba old battleship or an, another old game that we grew up playing. But Settlers of Catan, there's different colors. You build property, settlements, through trading produce. And, and the, the goal of the game is to get 10 points. And you get a point for every settlement that you build. Uh, and, and you're claiming the land of Catan. And you, you begin to see who's going to win the game, like, or who's close to winning, because their color, like the color of red or the color of blue, it begins to take over most of the board. And you're like, ah, they're about to get 10 points. But they're expanding and they're growing. That's what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. We don't just grow in numbers, but as Christians, we enter into the land, different parts of downtown Durham, the different parts of the city, different, different vocations and we plant ourselves in the land and we worship our God as Christians and we seek the renewal of neighborhoods, of our vocations, of the city, ultimately the countries and the world. See, God calls us out to be a blessing. Let me say this lastly. God calls us out to be a blessing and it's scary, but it's worth it. God calls Abram. God declares, I will, I will, I will. And it is filled with God's promises. God gives Abram not just a new identity, but new marching orders. He's going to be a blessing. 
Right? The family of God is going to grow. They're going to, it's going to take over the whole world, renewing the whole world. That's our call, brothers and sisters. But in this call, God says to Abram, go. Go to a land that I will show you. Abram has no idea where he's going and how God will use him and what God will do through his life. That's scary. That's radical. Leave everything you know to be a blessing to the world, but there's no guarantee of what might happen. The call of God is to surrender everything, to follow him, to bless others, the chief end of it all is that God might be glorified. And we don't know how God will work. And that's scary because we want control. Don't we? We want the control. And God says, go. Trust me. The call of God is scary because God could want to be glorified in and through you by allowing suffering to happen. God could want to be glorified in and through you because of success that you have in your job. God could want to be glorified in and through you by asking you to do something that is out of the blue. And God could want to be glorified in and through you by asking you just to be faithful in the ordinary and mundane of life. So I, I believe God called us to plant this church. I deeply believe that. And it's scary. It's scary. And I, I realized that this past week. It comes at different times in my life. But it, I realized it as we set the budget for this next year, <laughs> it's like, well, can't control money. As we had a long conversation about what it means to be a multi-ethnic church in a community, sure can't control who comes to this church as much as we try and to build the diversity that we seek. Can't control it. We want to bless this city. Think about training up leaders and sending people out. And man, that's scary because we can't control. I can't control how much you engage as a Christian in your job and as a leader in this city and in this church. And that's scary. But God says, surrender and follow. And I'll be glorified. And who knows what's going to happen in this church. But God will be glorified because he's promised. And it could be we remain small. It could be we grow. That's scary. It's scary to follow God into a land that he will show us. But it's worth it. It is worth it. Because it's a journey that though there are ups and downs, God has promised to be with us. There will be joy as he leads us to the city of God. As we seek to renew this world, as he's with us to be a blessing in the places that he's called us. And he's given us a new identity and he will always be with us. And so it's an adventure. It's not just scary, it's fun. It is fun and it's challenging and it's hard, but it's worth it to trust God however he might call you. So have you heard his call? We're going to hear the voices and the calls of this world, but may we all put our fingers in our ears as we leave this place and know that as we journey to the city of God, that there is life now in the life that we live with our God, but eternal life that awaits us in the city that is to come. Let's pray. God, I ask that you would help us to believe. And not just believe, God, but help us to hear and to trust. I know it's crazy to some here to, to think about a, the call of God 
Is that just kind of a figment or a made-up thing that we talk about? God, it's supernatural, and I, as much as I want everyone to hear it, you've got, a, you've got an issue, and people got to respond. And would you use us to be a church that goes out trusting you with a new identity and trusting you to be a blessing to the city and the world? God, thank you for this morning. We trust you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, we get to come to this table every week in this meal. And this meal is God calling. This is a meal where God speaks to us. And if you're a Christian this morning, uh, I just want to remind you that this is your identity. Your identity this morning is not in your sin that you've fallen into in this past week. Your identity is, is not the struggles and the doubts that you've had even this morning. Your identity, Christian, is what Christ has done on your behalf. Broken body, bloodshed, you are cleansed and forgiven. You're a son and a daughter, and that is who you are this morning because of your faith in Christ. So would you believe that? Would I believe that this morning? If you are not a Christian, uh, we are so glad you're here. We say this every week, and I hope it doesn't feel trite if you're uh, not a Christian that we say this every week, but we hope you can come back to this place, however you are, feeling no pressure from this church to say something or be something that you're not. But if you're not a Christian this morning, uh, we would love to talk to you if you would want to know more about what, this, what it means to be called by God and you're, you're questioning and you're seeking. We'd love to talk to you about that. But if you know, look, I, I, I know I haven't heard God's call. I know I'm not a Christian. I don't identify with Jesus. It doesn't make sense for you to participate in a family meal, a meal of, for Christians, uh, if you don't identify with Christ. Uh, so, you can participate in this meal by, by two ways. You can come forward, make this motion, and we'd love to say a prayer of blessing for you. Uh, or you can remain in, in your aisle and, and think and pray about what's been said and sung this morning. And we'd love to talk to you more. But this is a meal uh, for those who know they need the mercy and the grace that's offered to Jesus. To be reminded of who we are in Jesus. To be reminded that we're part of something bigger than just Christ Central Church. We're part of the mission of God to this world, to be sent out from this place to bless it. So I'm going to pray, and uh, if you have children who are in children's church or in nursery, you're welcome to get them, and we'd love to say a prayer of blessing as you come down. Ushers are going to let you out row by row, so no need to hurry. Ushers will let you out. You can participate and receive as a family or individually or with friends. And there's red wine, white grape juice, gluten-free bread if you want that. Um, and I'm going to pray as those who are serving come forward. So let me pray. Lord God, we thank you for this meal. And God, we thank you that there are ordinary elements of bread and wine and juice. And that you do something supernatural and something spiritual in this meal that, that is, is tangible. We taste it and we smell it and we see the body of Christ come together and so uh, would we have ears to hear your call to us this morning, reminding us of what you've done for us, Lord Jesus, that your grace and mercy are deeper than, than the sins of our life, that our identity is in you this morning, Lord Jesus. If there are any here this morning that are wondering if you're calling, would, would they hear and would they listen? Uh, Lord, we thank you uh, for this meal that we're the body of Christ coming together to receive from you the, the one who feeds us. In your name we pray. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed,
He took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. Eat in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup and said, this is the cup of the new covenant. My blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Drink in remembrance of me. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Come and feast.